For these 28 days, we blow the shofar every single day of the week except for Shabbat, up until Rosh Hashanah. And that's the tradition all over the world. And until I went to rabbinical school in 1991, I heard the call of the shofar, the blast, every single year on Rosh Hashanah, once a year. I grew up in a reform congregation, and my understanding was you blow it once a year, it really wakes you up on Rosh Hashanah, you pray your guts out for 10 days, and then you're forgiven on Yom Kippur. I said, I love this, I'm going to be a rabbi one day. I went to rabbinical school in 1991, and I lived right next to a tiny shtibel. A shtibel is like the opposite of Temple Emmanuel. It's like a tiny little um, shtetl synagogue that's the size, who here has been to the bathroom at Temple Emmanuel? It's about, it's about the size of one of the bathrooms at Temple Emmanuel. And I got this amazing deal in the German colony, Moshevag Germanit in Jerusalem, and moved into um, my uh, apartment. And I had no idea that next door to me was a shtibel, an Ashkenazi, uh, very, very orthodox, tiny synagogue, uh, until the first day of Elul. And boy, did I wake up to the reality that every single morning, right before the sun came up, my new alarm clock was the blast of the tekiah. And it was very intense. And it gave me a very deep understanding to how wrong I was about Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, that the Jews are not really procrastinators. We give ourselves an entire 28 and a half days to get to the place where we really open ourselves up to the tshuva, the process of reflection, and of repentance, and of returning, and saying we're sorry, and examining ourselves, actually is supposed to start on the very first day of Elul. That was three days ago, because today is the third day of Elul. For 50 days from the first day of Elul until the final day of Sukkot, we're also supposed to read one of the Psalms, called Psalm 27. And it's been an Ashkenazi tradition for the past almost 300 years, for the 50 days, between the first of Elul until the very end, Hoshana Rabbah, during Sukkot, that you read Psalm 27. And Psalm 27 is really a stream of consciousness from King David, um, with the final verse, 14 verses into it, is almost like a summary that he finally writes down of the entire psalm. And it's an intensely personal prayer, an outpouring of King David wanting to get closer to God. And my understanding, and I actually haven't done this ever until this year, is that if you Google Psalm 27. It doesn't say Google it in the, in the Talmud. It says find Psalm 27. You can Google Psalm 27, and you can download one of many different translations of it. I'm going to read a translation of it at the end of this teaching, um, and you read it every single day, that it gives you a kavanah. It gives you an intention around leaving behind the things that are simple and easy and superficial, the places where we feel that we are better than somebody else or that we're perfect or that we're blameless or that we're blemish, blemishless. And every single time we read it, we think about what we're opening up to, what we need to change and what tshuva can offer us. Because the Psalm talks about the power of tshuva in many hidden ways. And I have to say, I'm reminded during Elul that tshuva, the idea of saying you're sorry, of humbling yourself, of saying that you might have hurt someone or that you've been hurt is probably the most powerful spiritual tool that any human being possesses. The power to forgive and the power to be forgiven. So I ask us that, that those of us who might have a little fear about starting this tshuva practice so early, we might say, you know, I wasn't that bad this year. I can start on Rosh Hashanah. 
But it's not a matter of who was bad or who was good, who is right and who is wrong. It's a matter of acknowledging that we have something in our humanity that begs us to go inside, to introspect, and to say that we can do better, we can change, we can be different every single year. It's painful and it's difficult, but what I get to every Yom Kippur is that it's actually necessary for our spiritual survival as an individual and as a people. That if we don't do tshuva, when you get to Yom Kippur and everybody reads and hears the words of the Yom Kippur Torah reading, which says, I set before you life and death, therefore choose life, that you can't do it unless you've actually done tshuva, unless you've availed yourself of this spiritual tool, which takes some time. So I ask you, who here has some extra time in the coming weeks to do tshuva? Oh, really? Not very many of you. Okay. It's great to hear. Um, who has an hour, an hour a week to do tshuva? Who has, you know, I don't know. Who has 10 minutes a day? Do you have 10 minutes a day for the next 47 days to read a psalm? Okay, if we can't, if we as the Jewish people can't say I have 10 minutes every day to create a space, to read a psalm, to open myself up to whatever I can be, then I think we're in trouble. Um, but I don't think we're in trouble. I think that we actually, if we commit to it, we can do it together. And I really encourage you to take the time, download this very short psalm, and take five, 10 minutes every single day between now and the end of Sukkot and read it. You can read it when you wake up, you can read it when you go to sleep, and maybe have a notebook and just take a reflection on what you want to have between Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur for yourself this year. And there's a beautiful midrash which teaches us what it's all about, which is this. There is a king who gets into a terrible fight with his daughter. And the fight is so terrible that his daughter leaves the kingdom. She's so angry about the bitterness between them that she can't stay close to her father anymore. So she leaves the kingdom. And after an entire year, her father is so heartbroken also by the pain and the bitterness between them that he sends a messenger to her to find her, to ask her to come home. And the messenger finds the daughter, the princess, and he says to her, your father is sorry, and he wants you to come home. And she sends a message back with the messenger to her father. I want to come home too, but I've actually forgotten the way home. I don't know how to get back. And so her father takes the messenger and sends this message to his daughter. He said, I will walk towards you and you walk towards home, and we will meet in the middle. And when she receives the message, she starts walking. And that's the story of us and of God every single year at this time, which is we need to start walking, and we need to start moving forward towards the holiness, towards the path of shalom. And there is an actual tool, the tool of tshuva, of opening ourselves up and looking inside getting away from what's superficial in order for us to get to that place where we're able to get halfway anywhere. I know that we can make that time because each one of us has the obligation to not blow the shofar, but to hear it. Lishma kol shofar. We all have a little tshuva to do, and we all have somebody who, if you think about it, needs to hear from us before Rosh Hashanah. I encourage you to call them or write them. And I think all of us has a choice about what it means to choose life or death in so many ways. And so I ask you to listen to Psalm 27 on this third day of Elul. You are my light and my help. 
whom should I fear? You are the fortress of my life, whom should I dread? When the narrow ones gather their strength to devour me, it is they who stumble and fall. Even if a royal army were camped outside my gate, my heart would not fear. And when they struck out with terrible weapons against me, even then I would trust in you. One thing I ask for, one thing I hope, to live in your house all the days of my life, to behold your beauty every morning in the light of the temple dawn, till on a doomful day you secure me in your precincts, conceal me within the folds of your covering tent, place me high and safe upon a rock, my head lifted above the engulfing waves. With the joy of my heart I will sacrifice within that billowing shelter, singing and playing my abandonment to you. Hear my voice when I raise it up, be gracious and answer me. Speaking with your voice, my heart sings. Seek my presence, I will. Do not hide your glowing face from me. Do not reject me in anger because of my shortcomings. You have always been there for me. Don't cast me off now. Don't walk away. My God, my friend. Even my parents might forsake me, but you will take me up and show me the way. Guide my steps on the clear path against the ever-present cliffs and thickets. Protect me from the noise of desire and hatefulness, from false words and shouted accusations. If I did not have faith in your rightness, then it would bloom in this living land. It is unthinkable. I wait only for you. With strength and good courage, I wait only for you.